Hi, I'm K.S. Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Network Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with rapper and media entrepreneur Carl Keels, a.k.a. Mr. Freeze, to discuss his latest music and upcoming projects. Welcome, Carl. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for reaching out. Um, But uh, outside my introduction, who is Carl Keels, a.k.a. Mr. Freeze, in his own words? And, um... Honestly, a living legend. <laughs> um, and I can say that confidently just based on the things I've been through as a person, my journey to being a man, my journey to reaching my goals, and um, just 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 the level of confidence I personally have. I, I literally can call myself a living legend. And then a couple of my friends call me that, so I feel a little more secure in that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, what makes you a living legend? Can you, I guess, I guess describe yeah, yeah. it to the listeners? Sure. I think uh, what was was unique about me is that um I uh, I took a road into hip hop uh, media, especially black media, black music. Um, and I'm born in '92, so I'm kind of from the era where a lot of parents and some of your peers frown on it. Like it's kind of ironic because they enjoy the music, and as as it's already out, but when you're on the journey, they kind of really don't respect it. Um, I think that what made me unique was um, I wasn't just focused on making the best song or trying to be the the best uh, persona. At first, I really did a lot of research. So um, I was 16 years old in high school, and sometimes I'd be home, and I'd be on the internet all day just scouring for, like, uh, finding out what uh, d- different things meant. So I would buy a booklet to an album, and I would look up what's ASCAP, or what's BMI, or what's the RIAA, or what does these terms mean, like going platinum, or things like that. And um, that was around the time YouTube came to, like, prominence on 708. So I was just really just scouring for information and learning um, the learning every single facet and timeline of the culture I wanted to be into outside of um, just the average VH1 behind the music or, or MTV segments. You know, I really wanted to do a lot of the underground work and, and kind of just understand the uh, what made this culture so brilliant. So the reason why that plays into me being a legend is that later on, um, when I started to put myself out there more and wanted to do more as far as music, I had a lot of knowledge offhand, and I understood a lot of the blueprint. Um, so I immediately stood out amongst a lot of my peers because um, a lot of it, it seems that they only knew enough to be a fan as well. Like, even though you're creating the content, they kind of still look at it from a fan point of view. And uh, me, I understood the business and understood uh, the different levels of administration. And, you know, um, when you see a lot of artists publicly going bad or, or talking down about their labels and owning their masters i kind of understood what that was along the year so it kind of uh it set me apart and um just 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 some of the moves i've made as far as just in media in in baltimore city and um just different things and and, uh just being able to keep my integrity and um to not compromise or to not you know be somebody that i'm not and somebody that i can be proud of and um i think that that's what makes me a living Mm legend so from I guess the information that you sent me that I read about you, it it sounded like you were interested in music for at, in the beginning, like I guess as a teenager, obviously as you said, and then you kind of got more into the business part of it for a really long time, music, music, yeah. you know, the radio shows that you had, and then mm-hmm. now you're kind of, you know, coming full circle back into music. So, yeah. how was it being on the business side of it, like? For a majority of the t- of your career, and then yeah. now you're on the artist side of it. What was dope was um, around 2011 when I kind of made the commitment to do it. As far 
music. Uh, two of my friends, um, uh, Otis Glenn and Akil Williams, we kind of had the idea to start like a record label and things, things of that nature. So I kind of already came in with like the co-CEO frame of mind. Um, and we started, a, um, we kind of started a label called Shine Music Group. Um, and then one of our guys, uh, Stan Christian Smutty, or, or Chink Jones, he's still, that's still my guy to this day. He, um, he became a part of it and, uh, we just was building for about four or five years straight, uh, having events at, um, Akil's dad's club, um, just doing different things, creating a, a base at, um, Stevenson University. So I always was looked at as, though I'm an artist, I'm one of the, the top dogs, so to speak. So I always had that frame of mind of, hey, like, um, we're, we're operating, we're operating an organization. I'm not just an artist under a number, you know? So that, that, that was, that was dope. And then I think 2015 came and a lot of transitions happened for the three of us. So we, I ended up uh, taking a, um, taking a spot on the internet radio show. Thanks to my guy, uh, Sincere. He um, actually linked me to it. And um, I was, then I started to do media and then I kind of made my way into the heart of the, the, the art scene and the, the media scene in Baltimore. And then honestly, I'm getting into the underground music scene because when I was starting off with the Shine Music Group of Akil and Chink Jones, um, we were just making music and catering to schools and catering who wanted to hear us. We didn't necessarily get amongst our peers or kind of see what the competition was. And I think when I got into media and when I started making a name in that realm, I learned who was the comp- who was the competition, who was the best in the underground, who kind of had certain statues outside of who was um, already on the radio and stuff like that, you know? So, and, and I think it... it it was one of it's the it was the best timing for me because uh twenty fourteen is twenty fifteen is is when uh, a new wave of Baltimore music came. And uh, so I I was seeing just the tail end of it not the tail end, I'm sorry. I was seeing it as it was um as the wave was coming and um just noticing how things played out and um it's really dope. Like I'm really, really excited and happy for where Baltimore hip hop, Baltimore media and uh the culture is going. Yeah, it it it's weird because I'm just getting into media and you're kind of like coming out of it. But I do, I have seen how like the Baltimore media art scene is kind of um, being propelled in a way more now than it has probably back even when I was in college, maybe even in high school. Um, yeah, honestly, yeah. Yeah. So what about music? What like What is it about music that makes you feel so passionate about it? And, you know, um, when I was young, my um, I, my mom, you know, those Saturdays, we used to clean up and stuff. Not necessarily her cleaning up and playing music, but she used to take me everywhere. I'm her only child. So we run a lot of errands, just six, seven hours all day. And she have on, um, you know, the FM terrestrial radio with, like, the old school classics. Or um, she didn't let me listen to rap a lot back then, but if it was, like, a popular rap song, we'd listen to it. And then uh, my uncle, he would kind of, like um, – my uncle taught me just the, the blueprint of being like a, a fan or stand of music. And he was a big Quincy Jones fan. And he just used to, he just used to tell me different things about music. And, um, and he showed, always showed me his collection. And, you know, he probably, to this day, he probably has the best music collection I've seen personally, because he just had rows and decades of different jazz CDs, R&B CDs and, and things of that nature. And, um, I was with him when I bought my first, my first ever CD. Um, the first CD I bought was, a. Uh, like Mike soundtrack, the Bow Wow movie, <laughs> uh-huh. and um, and I think it was at Soundgarden. Uh, I really do. Um, so I bought that for nine ninety nine, and then just my love for music just took off from there. Um, and I don't think uh they they understood it. I was always intelligent, always scored high on tests, always had good grades. But I didn't, I, 
everyone always assumed I'd be like a lawyer or one of those things, but I really love music. And um, one of the things that made that programmed me to say this is what I'm going to do was um, the rise of 50 Cent in like late 2002, 2003. Um, you know, me and him have the same birthday with Kansas, but also just um, being young and paying attention to like BET, MTV, and H1, I never seen a campaign or never seen a, a media or press run that big as a young kid. So that, that, that pulled me in. And, um, I literally just knew how everyone around me had 50 cents CD. Everyone had it. Everyone had it. And you know, that, that, that kind of, that kind of pulled me into like really wanting to, um, get into the rap game. This is the early 2000, 2002, 2003. So music's always been my life. And when it comes to just digesting music, um, I always look for that one song that just touches me some way emotionally. You know, I, I listen to a range of music outside of just rap. You know, I could listen to Sade or then turn on Anita Baker or turn on some Patty Austin, you know. Um, it's just about finding that song that, that makes me feel emotionally charged. And then once I started to make music, I started to uh, look for that in my music. So I slowly was getting there. And I think uh, last year I really hit that stride as far as making music that I personally love on the same level as some of the people I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how you mentioned, well, not funny, but it's, I guess it is funny in a way how you mentioned um, that you always scored high on tests. You know, everyone always recognized your intelligence, but yeah. they never saw the correlation between how you, I guess, process music and listen to music yeah. and your intelligence at the same time. Because right. I guess how you process music, like making the music, even writing music, recognizing notes and things of that sort is another form of intelligence, which a lot of people Absolutely. don't really see that. Like, I can't, I'm still struggling to play my guitar. I've been having it for <laughs> 15 years, you know, and my brother can make beats like, like it's nothing. It's, you know, so yeah, it's just another form of, um, of intelligence. A lot of people don't really recognize Absolutely. In, in your part, in, in your life or your part, um, People did recognize your intelligence, but they never really saw, again, they never saw the correlation between the two. Yeah. They just yeah. kind of probably saw it as like a hobby or something that you were interested in. Cause like, who doesn't right. like, you know? And it's funny how you mentioned 50 Cent because um, I also remember like the whole campaign of promoting him and G Unit and, you know, Shady Records and Aftermath. Like, I still have my G Unit uh, tank top from when I was. Oh my God. <laughs> I still have mine. You remember when we had the the belts with the yeah. with the names on it? Yeah. Oh my goodness! You know what's funny? Um, I'm sitting out front of Savers, and I was here like six months ago to get some clothes for uh, an event we were having, and I saw this green vest. The vest looked great. It looked like those vests Drewski be wearing, and it was a G Unit vest, and I bought it and I wear it like I wore it this weekend. Like, <laughs> and people were like, "Yo, freeze! I love your vest." And I, and I so I'm like, "You know, it's G Unit, right?" And they were like, "Oh, like, wow, like, you know." So, and, and and as a person, they people always tell me like I act like my style is like 2000s. Like, you know, how someone say, "Oh, he got 90s style." Like, they're like, "Yo, your style is 2000s. Like, that's your style." So, that's always just been part of my approach anyway. Because I uh, I love the era I grew up in, from like 98 to 2009, 2010. That's my era. That's me. I can tell you everything about that. That's who I am, you know? Yeah, that's the, I mean, the style's pretty much coming back anyway. The early 2000s. Right. They're trying. Yeah, they're trying. 
I hope they don't bring uh, low rise. Uh, please don't bring that back. Please don't bring. Like- you know what? I, they, you know what? They can't because you know it's so many, and you know there's no disrespect to no woman's preference, but there's so many surgeries and stuff out here. I don't even think low riders will even make it. Yeah, they, pr- they probably can't with the, with the BBLs and stuff. It's not gonna work. Don't. Yeah, nobody's trying to look like Jessica Simpson anymore. <laughs> Alright, well, uh, can you elaborate more on your creative process? So, like, oh. what is it? I guess how do you write your songs or produce, yeah. you know, beats or whatever? So how did how does it start? Do you normally start with like a hook? Does it start with a beat? Does it start with maybe like something you remember from, you know, whatever incident that happened before, or are you more like a, a narrative type of right uh, rapper? Or how, like how is how do you, how do you do my, my my um my style as far as my style as far as writing um even if I'm not telling an exact story. My style definitely has a, a story to it, so you can follow it and uh, repeat, repeat it um, as far as the repetition. But when it comes to the actual creative process, it's it's evolutionized over the years a little bit, but it's always been the common thing. If I hear production, or if I hear a beat that pulls in my heartstrings, like the music I came up on, um, I immediately want to write to it. I immediately need to. Uh, I, I have this reaction that's kind of like. It's I can't describe it. It's just like I, I feel it in my nerves, and I start kind of rocking back and forth. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I need this. I need this. And and um, my producer friends know if they play me something, then they I get in that freeze mode. I'm like, oh, what's this? And sometimes I start cursing out loud. Just I kind of become like boisterous as far as just the creative juices, you know. And um, I immediately even start writing, or uh, sometimes I'll just think of something. And um, I literally probably it's, it, it'll probably be taking about. Uh, one or two days to write everything, and then three or four days to probably perfect the actually performing it as far as rapping it. So by the time I get to the studio, um, you can really ask anyone that's ever recorded me in the last six, seven years. I don't take long in the studio. I'm not necessarily a. Uh, I don't need to. Uh, I don't have a lot of takes. Um, only the only way I really have a lot of takes or trying to land something is if I'm trying to perfect every line, and I do that more recently now because I'm way more intentional. But. Um, I always practice before I go to the studio because to me, that's like the big game. You know, that's like, okay, I got a new move. I got to practice this new move. And then when I go to the game, I got to score 40 so I can be on ESPN. That's that's kind of how I always looked at how I need to um, create my music because I'm very competitive. And I'm not necessarily, I'm not one of the guys that grew up that was always competitive in sports, but I was competitive in making music, competitive in being the best and competitive in knowing what I know. So. Um. Yeah, that's that's kind of my process. So, what advice could you offer to other artists or anyone who wants to get into media, um, like myself? Because you know, any advice can help me. Um, that you, someone would have told you when you first started. Um. So, as far as the advice, that's kind of two part question. The the advice I would give is learn and study the uh, learn and study the network day of the music you love so if you want to make r&b or if you want to make uh, soul music study everything that has to do with the history of the soul and not just the great artists study the, the business people study the people behind the scenes the history of uh, record labels and what those record labels did at certain times because you know there are uh, record labels that are popular now that uh used to send representatives to the south to find and it's like post-slavery send them to find different um 
recorded like slave hymns and stuff, and they were copyrighted. But a lot of people don't know this, you know, and um, those kind of things, you know. And you just just study just study what the business of music is because it, it surges a confidence in you. It shouldn't make you insecure, especially if you love music. It should sur- surge a confidence in you that makes you say, okay, I know I'm great enough. So me knowing the history and knowing how uh, everything here operates, I know how I can be a great vessel in this. And um, it has to become like your best friend. It has to become just your love and your passion for the sport. And this is for media as well. Um, you have to, It has to be your best friend. You have to know who's who, know what's going on. But you don't have to be so connected that you lose all the senses of reality because that happened to me. Um, and I don't I, I want to divvy off into that story yet, but you just uh, set a time for it. You know, set three, four hours out of the day where you checking what's going on, seeing what's, you know, seeing what's just going on in the culture. We got social media, so it makes it a lot easier. Going on YouTube, especially. YouTube has a lot of content, a lot of informal videos about just the history of different things, how labels and how uh, business people work and things you need to know. So it is a lot easier now for it was for me back then because um the, the the blueprint in Baltimore was different because this is not a city like New York, Houston, LA and things of that nature. So um you just kinda had to learn as you went and, and I was always fortunate. I I kinda always got introduced to certain people who were already kinda uh, either established in that craft or um just had a lot of information from, you know, Guys like uh, Reggie Reg, um, rest in peace to Reggie Reg. He he told me stories about Biggie and Jay Z being in Maryland and just how Biggie was as a person and you know just um just those DJs man. Shout out to DJ Dicky man. Just a lot of people and shout Smooth R.I.P. Smooth. He used to give me a lot of information as far as what I need to do, how I need to sound, and um I just always took that information and ran with it. And then when I learned that and mastered that, I would pass it down to whoever came to me for advice. So. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely learn the game. And the second part, I think, um, if I don't lose what you said, uh, it's definitely just understanding that um, none of this is personal and don't pay attention to the biggest acts, the biggest songs, because that's fine. It's nothing like Drake level is Drake level. Michael Jackson level is that level. But there's a lot of, it gets more fragile. You know what I mean? So people think that any one of us can get that success. It Kind of, but it's a very fragile process. So sometimes you do have to compromise a lot of um, integrity because of the business and the politics of being the top, top person. But being the top, top person and being a person that's just starting, there's so much in the middle. And there's so many ways if you want to monetize or or if you want to be an artist that's, I want my music just to be in movies or just be in certain places. There's so many ways for your music or your content to land. And um, you have to look at it like a bottle of soda. You know, once you put a barcode on it and it goes for retail, you know, it, it you, you can do anything with it. You have to see it that way. Mm-hmm. So throughout this whole process, throughout your whole career, um, mm-hmm. did you or maybe do you ever get overwhelmed? Like, does it ever become too much? And how do you typically manage your mental well-being in regards? Um. I became overwhelmed. I started to become overwhelmed the more I got in tune with uh, my peers in this local network, local industry, whatever, right? Working on projects, going to events, the politics of it, who's who. Um, and uh, just being honest, you know, being under people. Um, there's nothing wrong with being under someone who has their own brand. But um, there's been plenty of times where I've been probably, I've known as much or known more 
than the person I'm under. But the 48 Laws of Power teaches you never to outshine the master. So I always play my position. But, um, you know, it gets overwhelming because, you know, you, you, I'm learning, I'm learning new things. I'm learning new approaches. Um, and, and mind you, because of the internet, everything updates at least every three to six months, right? So even when it comes to the technology of music, you know, we're not selling CDs anymore. We're in streaming world. So you still have to learn and keep up with that. And, um, it, it, it takes a toll, but it, you know, it's not as bad if you really want it, you know, it's not as bad as like, this is all, this is all who you are. It's just your whole being. But ways I, uh, ways I've dealt with it, um, definitely taking like a, a couple of hours break, doing something else. Um, sometimes elevating my mind, you know, but for the most part, it's really just about taking a break and relaxing your muscles, so to speak, you know, just, it's kind of like exercising or kind of like a sport, you know, you do too much of it, it'll take a strain on your body and your mental health. And, um, and it's, it's especially different because with this music, with media, you know, we're all trying to hit this spot. We're all trying to get this next thing that validates us and validates what we're doing. That's probably the most stressful part because I may put my all into this song. I may think it's so dope and I play it for like five people and like, they're like, I don't know. I don't see the vision. You can become defensive. You become overprotective of your art, you know? So that's a thing in itself. And one of the unfortunate things about selling music and doing media is that you kind of have to care what people think, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that takes a toll on you. So definitely take it mental breaks, um, relaxing and having extracurricular activities outside of this is so beautiful hiking, reading, uh, um, whatever, like, you know, whether it's even blogging about other stuff, just, just doing other things, bring you away from the music. And then it feels more like a comfortable job rather than this mandated 500 pound monkey on your back. Mm-hmm. So my last question for you, Carl, is what is your idea of success? I ask that because as creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, whatever it may be, we're considered failures or we consider ourselves failures. Many of us will put our dreams and projects on the back burner or give them up altogether because this career path can be highly intimidating and competitive. So what is your idea of quote unquote success? Um, me personally, uh, success is the, the, the messaging and the purpose of my music touching touching someone where uh, that's the first thing where they're like yo I, I know what you mean i felt that um i felt that first taste of it last year i uh uh i wrote a song and put it out it's called Pio santos based, mm-hmm. based on just like the sage and stuff like that and um shout out to my guy back he made the beat try and shot the video but uh i wrote i put out and tested that i saw people like and connected with was uh, the Pio santos song um it was just it was just one of those nights it was me background my guy that made the beat and um a friend of mine jasmine she uh we were just in the studio just talking and um becca just was making that beat and i was like man that's that's a tough beat and um he left me there to record and me and jasmine just in there talking and she had said man like whatever you do to this you got to just come with it you got to just you know she kind of put a battery in my back you know she's like you got to just come with it she's like do you mind if i burn some payo santo i'm like what is that so she showed me what it was and i googled it and i was like man like this makes exact sense. So I just wrote the record and uh, performed, I uh, recorded a demo. And then um, I re-recorded it the next day because uh, um, I knew I needed to kind of like approach my tones and stuff. So yeah, like once I started letting people hear it and I put it out there, it started to slowly grow. 
and um, I kind of got that boost of confidence. Like, man, like I did it. Like I, I, I captured people organically, you know, because um, a lot of my, a lot of the, just my grind has been just sending people links and trying to invite people out and stuff like that. And you know, I always got you know retention or or like twenty to thirty percent participation. So I just kept grinding and kept going. And um, for me to create a product that organically really, really hit as far as music. You know, it's like a dream come true, honestly. So that's that was that was my first taste of success, personally. And um, and then like a couple months after that, um, oh yeah, a couple months after that, um, a friend of mine, Tracksmith, he makes R and B music. He produced beats. Um, he has a relationship with um designer. Uh, you know, that, that made Panda. That used to be signed to Kanye West. And um, uh, I ended up writing a song that became the chorus of their record. And designer got on it and all that. It's out. But um. It was, I was already writing songs with him and getting in that songwriting lane and understanding R&B. And um, it was just one of those organic nights where he was just going through beats and I heard that beat. Nothing was on, I just heard the beat. And I said, yo, yo, cue that up, that's it. And I wrote, I wrote what I wrote, I referenced it. And it was just me, him and his cousin DJ in the room. And they just lit up, like, I thought it would be dope. I thought it just, you know, something cool that he might get on or use or we can shop it. But I saw the response that they was just dancing and they was just like, yo, this is it. And um, by the end of that week, because that was like a Monday, by the end of that week, Designer was on the record. And um, around this time, like June 16th or something, when Track's birthday, they put the record out. And um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's almost going to have been a year since um, that, that's been out. So those two are like my first two instances of success. And what makes it dope and a more uh, me more grateful is that they happen within three months of each other. Oh, wow. So it's just like, like, you know, life is amazing. And um, it's different now when I update people what's going on or when I see people and I, you know, kind of run down what's been going on and they, they look at me different, you know, because a lot of people sometimes, you know, they they tap in or sometimes they don't. Sometimes they say, oh, yeah, I see you and I see you doing your thing. But when I really give them the details of like what I've done and how, where that places my value at, you know, the conversation is different. Um, the respect raises and um, that means a lot. It, it does mean a lot because I went through so many years of just like, you know, people, oh, okay, or oh, it's all right, or yeah, 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 you can do better. Or just like, you know, me not being their favorite or stuff like that, you know. But now it's different to where guys call me or people call people I know like, yo, I love that song Freeze made or yo, Freeze next. And, and, and just those kind of compliments and them knowing who I am and knowing uh, my motivation and my determination to be consistent and not stop, it, it ails me to, it, ails, it pushes me to almost the front of their mind of who they want to contend to be the next up or to be the next staple for the city. And uh, or as far as representation and, uh, you know, that, that, that means a lot. I don't use it as pressure. I just know I got to keep delivering every single time, you know? So, um, yeah, you know, it's a good place to be. You know? Yeah. I can definitely relate on, um, I guess people, I guess, congratulating you when they see a, fi a finished product of something. Um, and I, how can I put this? There's people always watching, right? There's oh, always yeah. somebody watching, even if they don't engage with you. Mm -hmm. um, they don't say a single word to you or even like any of your stuff, but they always watching, right? Mm -hmm. And then you just have to, like you said, you just have to keep going again because somebody's always watching and you never know 
who that person is that's watching, who they're connected yep. to that's watching. Mm-hmm. So it was like just to hear you say that you two, you know, most successful or the most your first two tastes of success happened within three months of each other. And it's weird how life works because it's it's probably not something you were expecting. I mean, even maybe in your wildest dreams you thought it right. would, but then for it to actually happen. It's amazing. It was amazing, amazing. right? So yeah. then it's like what if this is what I can do, you know, for, it was like 10 years of build-up, first of all. It wasn't like uh, overnight success is really like 10 yeah. years of work. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, you put in that work, which a lot of people don't see. They don't see that part, either the grind, the hustle, whatever it may be, long nights. nights. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're losing a bunch of days. The days kind of meld together, whatever it may be. They just see the finished product, like I said before. Yeah. But it's like what you can achieve in three months, it's like, what can I achieve? It's like six months left in a year now. So like, where do you see yourself? Not e- not even five years or 10 years from now, but like five months or even 10 months from now. Um, I see myself, uh, uh, I see myself just putting out more content. Cause mm-hmm. I'm, this is my last, I'm gonna wrap it up cause I'm the, the battery acting crazy. But oh, I, I, in, my, in the next five months, I definitely see myself just putting out content in the, in the in a higher level of competitive matter. I think uh, um, I, I didn't get a lot of accolades and flowers last year because um, I didn't put out enough consistent content. I put out like a, a body of work, like a, a mixtape that was for retail. And then I made, once I kind of made the move writing the designer song, well, writing the song with designing them, um, I kind of just played back and then just kind of like let life just play out. And um, I was recording more music, but eventually I started doing more writing. And um, I actually got my certification to do social media. So I just was knowing, knowing that, okay, if I'm going to do this music thing, let me have some revenues around it, you know? Um, and, but this time, because I'm kind of steady financially, I'm in a better situation, better situation I was last year. Um, I'm definitely at a point where it's like, listen, I'm definitely time. It's time to compete. It's just time to compete. And I feel com- confident about that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's just, just definitely 20, 2022 and beyond. I'm working on some comic book stuff. Um, your guy uh, James, that was um that you interviewed before me, I actually reached out to him. Me and him talked earlier about hopefully getting together and doing some stuff. So I definitely want to you know shout you out just for having the content you know for me to you know network with him. So much love. Um, yeah, and um just hopefully hopefully we can do something in person because I definitely want to apologize for my phone. It's the heat and all that stuff, but um this definitely was a fruitful conversation. I'm I'm glad I can give insight to my story and be able to help artists out media and. Yeah, anything you need, you already know, we built that relationship. Anything you need, events, anything, you know, we can talk and I'll show you anything. It's not even my money, none of that. Just or whatever, you know, who to events, whatever. I got you. Yeah, I think I appreciate it. And you're welcome with um with the connection as well. But uh, like with your battery, I don't want to hold you up too much longer. But um I just want to say again to uh rapper and media entrepreneur Carl Keels, aka Mr. Freeze, for joining us here today for uh to discuss his latest music and upcoming projects. I highly recommend our listeners to check out Mr. Freeze's music. All of his socials and video links will be listed in this episode's details for those who are interested. Again, I am K.S. Garner, and you have been listening to the Solo Nerd Podcast. Thank you. Hey.